gracious, have mercy. Well, it is great to see y'all here this morning. It's a good crowd for being a school spring break. Uh, I'm so thankful that you're here this morning. I want to recognize a couple of people. Miss Carol, right over here. Wave at us, Miss Carol. Miss Carol, yours off there. Her husband just went to be with the Lord, and so great to see you. She'd been in the rehab with a broken back, and she's here with us today. And then Miss Betty Mosley right there. Miss Betty, wave at us here. We've missed you too. She's been a little stay in the hospital and all, and uh, glad to have you back here this morning. It's great to be here. I'll be honest with you. I preached this sermon twice today, and it's a dud. It, it's a... Uh, it just is. Uh, I, I hate to admit that, but it's a dud. Uh, but the music's been good, amen? I, I'm not going to lie to you. When you get to chapter 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, in Second Kings, there's just a lot of duds. Uh, it's a lot of junk, a lot of corrupt, a lot of people dying, a lot of people shouting and all that stuff. I'm going to kind of sum it up, and then we're going to scoot on forward next week. But I do think God has a word for us today, but it's just not an exciting word. It's not, a, it's not the kind of sermon I like to preach. It's got a lot of statistics in it, uh, but hopefully it'll, it'll bless your heart and will mean something to you. Look, if you would, at 2 Kings chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 11. And beginning in verse 1, if you'd stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. And when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the seed royal. But Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Joram, uh, sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him from among the king's sons, which were slain. And they hid him, even him and his nurse, in the bedchamber from Athaliah, so that he was not slain. And he was with her hid in the house of the Lord six years. And Athaliah did reign over the land. And the seventh year Jehoiada sent, fetched the rulers over hundreds, with the captains and the guard, and brought them to him into the house of the Lord, made a covenant with them, took an oath of them in the house of the Lord, and showed them the king's sons. Pray with me. Father, thank you today. Lord, the real deal is when we get to heaven, we're not even going to want to understand any of this mess. We're just going to praise you and glorify you. But Lord, right now, our hearts are broken. Our hearts are hurting. Lord, our hearts are broken and hurting for people right here in our own country that need you more than anything in this world. Our hearts are broken, and Lord, we're begging you this morning to let your Holy Spirit have control of this service and to save those that need to be saved this morning before it's eternally too late. We're asking you, Lord Jesus, to teach us and disciple us this morning in a way that we could leave this place better equipped to serve you and to raise our children and to further the kingdom of God here on the face of this earth. Lord, as this day is dedicated to pray for those in the Ukraine, Lord, we humbly bow before you. and ask you to wrap your arms around our brothers and sisters. And uh, Lord, I, we've seen right here just in a few weeks, Lord, in 2 Kings, where you destroyed three armies with a 
group of singers standing up on a cliff. Lord, we've seen you here a couple of weeks ago make an entire Syrian army retreat because they heard chariots and horses. So, God, I'm, I'm claiming this morning nothing's too hard for you. God, you can stop uh, the, the, the hurt and the bombing and the pain and the suffering right now. And I pray, dear God, I plead with you, find a way to stop before more children and, and, and moms and dads and grandparents are killed. God, I do thank you for their resolve as a country to stand for freedom. And uh, Lord, we probably don't even know what they're experiencing. But I just pray, God, as Christian brothers and sisters, that we'll pray and we'll stand behind them spiritually. And then, God, when we've done all we can do, would you come through and do the rest? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you again so much uh, for being here this morning. I, uh, I, I heard a guy this week tell me that, you know, what needs to happen is the Ukraine just needs to suck it up and realize they're part of Russia and just live with it the best way they could. And I thought, have you ever read a history book of America? Can you imagine the people in the 1700s that said, these bunch of renegades over here in the United States, they just need to suck it up and just live with England and, and bow to the king and queen and quit all of this foolishness. But people fought for freedom. And I want to tell you, I'm not saying here, there, I'm not, I don't know all the details. All I know is I love freedom. And anytime anybody wants to stomp out freedom, it gets me upset because I think that if we continue on, somebody's going to stomp out our freedom. And then it's going to be too late. Well, glory. The psalmist said in Psalm 127.3 that children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb uh, is his reward. Without question, you can take a room that's somber, people sitting there with their arms crossed, bless me if you can, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, didn't Lexi do a great job? Yeah, I mean, uh, but most of y'all wasn't clapping for Lexi doing a great job. You were clapping because there was a young person up here singing for the glory of God. I mean, that's the truth right there. I mean, when a kid walks in a room, he'll just lighten up the room and, you know, he, they'll say whatever's on their mind. It doesn't, you know, there's no, uh, <laughs> there's no filter in there. I think about that little girl that sent the note to her pastor and said, Dear Pastor, I heard you say that we're to love our enemies. I'm six and don't have any, but I'm hoping to have some by the time I'm seven. <laughs> I want to tell you, you'll have them all right, sister. I guarantee you. That other little boy brought his report card home. I had some bad grades on it. His mother said, What do you got to say? He said, Well, one thing you can say is I don't cheat. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I <t> <laughs> I think my favorite one, though, is this little boy coming out of the backyard, and he said, I'm the greatest hitter in all of the world. And he throws the ball up and misses it. Strike one. I'm the greatest hitter in all the world. Throws that ball up, misses it. Strike two. I'm the greatest hitter in all the world. He throws that ball up, misses it. 
I'm the greatest pitcher in all of the world. <laughs> Kids, they bring us joy and laughter. But there's some things that we need to cover this morning that's not really anything to laugh about. Not a lot of joyful things. Over the last several years, the enemy has spared no expense in trying to destroy Christian families and Christian churches and Christian people, period. The truth be known, more than half of our area here and anywhere you want to go, Texas, California, you know, I don't care, more than half of the people in our society today look at you in this crowd right here and say, y'all are nothing but a bunch of snobby, arrogant, right-wing, fundamentalist, bigots, hateful people. That's what they think. Hmm? I'm just telling you the truth. Our children are facing things today that they've not faced before. 36% of all marriages in America end up in divorce. One out of every two. Listen, one out of every two. You didn't hear me. One out of every two children will see their parents divorce. One out of every two. More than 50% of the children in America's schools live in single-parent homes. Many of you here are that same way. Hey, that's not a knock. I, I want to tell you, we want to do everything we can to help single parents. My soul, it's hard enough to try to raise kids with two parents. I could, my, my heart goes out to you. 35% of America's children live apart from their father. 50% of the children who live apart have never stepped foot in their father's house. Children in single-parent homes, you, you, these are statistics, you like them or not, it, it's just statistics. Children in single-parent homes have a 300% greater possibility of a negative life outcome than children raised in two-parent homes. 300%. In the last 40 years, pregnancies out of wedlock have increased 600%. The majority of children in America have less than 10 minutes of significant and meaningful conversation with their parents a week. Ten minutes a week. George Barna reserve, uh, revealed these statistics. Every day in America, 1,160 teenage girls get abortions. Every day in America, 4,219 teenagers contract sexually transmitted diseases. Every day in America, 500 teenagers begin using drugs. Every day in America, 1,000 teenagers begin drinking alcohol. Every day in America, six teenagers commit suicide. Now, our generation has not done a great deal to help our children. We've let them look at people like Magic Johnson as a role model. He's speaking on safe sex while he's got AIDS himself. We've looked at Madonna as a role model who has different relations with both men and women, promoting her views. We, we, we've listened to politicians for year after year after year 
saying we're for the underprivileged, we're for the single parents, we're for the rights of the children, yet we're still federally funding abortions. We're listening to rock groups. I'm not making this up. You guys go home and tune in. Promoting suicide, razor blades, drugs, sex. This generation hadn't had a great chance like our generation did. I mean, we, we watched Leave It to Beaver. First, the worst one on there was Eddie Haskell. And he was at least polite. He was a con man, but he was polite. While our kids today look at the cartoons of the Simpsons. Somebody said this week, well, I better not go there. We, we, we listen to the Waltons. While generation today looks at married with children. We watch Little House on the Prairie and we compare that today to MTV. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8 that the devil is a roaring lion. He's your enemy. He said you be controlled, you be vigilant because he is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And for the last years, I believe his Pray has been America and Christian homes all across America. You'd picture with me a lion, a, a big cat, and he's snooping around and he's prowling around. And you say, oh, there's a big lion. Too late. By the time he roars, he already has his prey. He's not roaring to get his prey he roars when he does get his prey. That's why as our children are growing up, we, we're responsible for them. The violence in America today, the gang violence, the public schools, Christian schools, all of, they need uh, uh, metal detectors. Who would have heard such a thing? Prisons overflowing to the point where criminals are putting out in a boot camp. Innocent children being destroyed. You're not going to need Social Security because our country's headed to the place where when you get our age, some of you older folk, you're not worth a whole lot. They just give you a little pill and you're gone. You say, preacher, that ain't going to happen. Hey, tell me 50 years ago what's happening now. How many times we said, that ain't going to happen here. It's not going to happen here. And the future. It may be that we may collapse, I don't know. But I do know this. Our future is in the hands of our young people that are in this place this morning. You're, you're not necessarily the future of the church. You're, you're the present of the church right now. We need you to step up. Men will say, oh, you're not old enough. You just laugh at them and go on and serve God anyway. You're plenty old enough. Children born today and every day since the creation with a natural tendency to disobey. You can go down in our nursery if you don't believe it and I'm telling them little babies will fight each other and you can give them the same toy that they want from the other person. They don't want the toy you give them. It's the same one. They want the toy the other one's got. Hmm. I want to tell you, it's not enough to put a roof over your children's head and to put food in their mouths. You need to give them the things of God. 
It's not enough anymore to just clothe them with physical apparel. They need to learn the armor of God and to put that armor on and to get ready for a fight because we're in a fight. We're in a war. You say, preacher, I didn't think we were supposed to fight. It's right to fight when you fight for right. And I want to tell you something. You may not think your family's worth fighting for, but I believe mine is. And I think I got some that would believe the same thing too. When we look at this scripture, Jehoshaphat, uh, is a picture of the home. And then second, uh, Adaliah is a picture of Satan. And she makes a pretty good Satan. Joash is a picture of the future generation. Now let's just look at it quickly here this morning. Uh, you see that there's a big plot against the throne. Ahaziah has died. He's been the king. Ahaziah's mama, uh, Athaliah, is really the one who's been running everything all along. Her son goes over. They're in a, a war to, to, to try to reclaim uh, Ramoth Gilead, and he gets wounded. He comes back, and he dies. And the Bible said in verse 1, Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw her son was dead, and then he, she begins to come up with a plot uh, because she wants to be on the throne. She don't want one of these other grandchildren. Can you imagine a grandmother that's killing her own kids and grandkids? You say, what kind of grandmother is that? Well, <laughs> she was the daughter of Ahaz, Ahab and uh, Jezebel. Does that, ring a, a ring, does that ring a little ring with you? <laughs> She's got a good bloodline, I guarantee you that. She's in it for the, for the kill. And so she wants to become the, the queen, and she actually does for another six years or, or so. Uh, and she comes on the scene, and she falls right into the footsteps of her parents there. And she decides to destroy all of her own children and her own grandchildren and all of their seed since they were rivals to the throne. Wow. What a mess. I mean, when you get down to where you're killing your own grandchildren, what a mess. Now, thank be the Lord, there's another woman comes in here, Jehoshaphat, and she comes in generously and graciously to protect the throne. She's not the mother of Joash, she's the aunt. But she takes it upon herself to go rescue him, steal him, the King James Version says, or kidnap him, some of your other versions might say. But it, whether she took him away, hid him, so Athaliah couldn't find him to kill him. In fact, she hid him for six years. Verse 2 says, Jehoshaphat, the daughter of the king, Joram, sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, stole him from among the king's sons, which were slain, and they hid him, even him and his nurse, in the bedchamber from Athaliah, so that he was not slain. You see, once, once Jehoshaphat gets the word of her mama's wicked plan, she immediately says, I got to do something. Oh, no, 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 you can't do anything. You're just an aunt. You don't need to get involved in those situations. She didn't have any of that. She got involved in it. She uh, went to him and protected him personally. She didn't leave it up to some other family member. She didn't leave it up to somebody else. Listen, when it comes to our children and our young people, mom and dad, you need to take that personally. You need to say, hey, I ain't leaving it up to the school. I'm not leaving it up to the church. I'm not leaving it up to nobody. I'm going to raise my kid the way the Word of God says raise my kid. 
the truth is, God has not left the White House up to educate our children. God has not left the school system up to educate our children. He's not left the Department of Social Services up to educate our children. And he's not even raised the church up to educate our children. We're to come alongside you. But let me tell you, parents, you're responsible for your child's education. I was talking with a pastor week before last at the convention. And uh, he's, they've left their school because in science, his son was uh, requested, had to, to, to or, or fail one, do a research paper on why evolution is true. And he said, evolution's not true. Kids in junior high, he said, y'all are all crazy. Evolution's not true. Got everybody shook up, called the daddy down there. And he said, well, my son's telling the truth. Evolution's not true. We believe in creationism. Now, I don't, I don't want to get no World War III started here in our church. God bless public school teachers. Amen? I, I, they, my hat's off to them. But I want to tell you, mom and dad, when that public school teacher has to teach what's in that science book, you better come home and spend a little time with them and tell them what the real book says. You, 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 better, you, you better look at what they're learning in school because you're going to find out some of it contradicts the Word of God. Our teachers didn't write the book. They got so much paperwork and junk to do now, uh, I don't even see how they teach what they teach. They're to be command, commended, and we ought to pray for them. I'm just saying they're not responsible for raising your children. You are. I think about these two men who live within very close range of each other, and they were very close friends. One of them was Jonathan Edwards, great preacher, evangelist, uh, tremendous man of God. One of them was a guy named Max uh, Jukes. Max was an unbeliever. Jonathan Edwards, of course, was a Christian. Jonathan Edwards married a Christian girl, and they had 729 descendants. Of them, 300 were preachers of the gospel, 65 were college professors, 13 were university presidents, 60 authored books, 3 were U.S. congressmen, and 1 was a vice president of the United States. Max Jukes married an unbeliever. They had 1,026 descendants. Of them, 300 died early. 100 went to prison for an average of 13 years. 200 were public prostitutes. 100 were alcoholics. You say, preacher, what's the difference between this family here and this family that live right down the road, the way they raise their children? The way they raise, you don't think God makes a difference in your life? This child was protected personally. I tell you, we need to take ownership of our kids. Quit, quit expecting somebody else. And don't even expect the church. When they get home and tell you these wild stories of how the Jordan River parted, don't you believe them? You, you, you open up the Bible and see if it's true. Now, you're going to find it's true, but don't believe those wild stories. I heard about that kid that came home. He said, what did you learn in Sunday school today? And, and the kid told him, and 
She said, well, that, that's not what was on your thing. We get a report every week of what you learned. That wasn't on there. He said, Mom, <laughs> you wouldn't believe what that teacher told us. I said, you wouldn't gonna believe that. I wouldn't dare share that with nobody. God is a supernatural God. She protected him personally, but not only personally. She protected him properly. Verse 3, he was with her hid in the house of the Lord six years. Personally and properly. She took him to the house of the Lord. She took him to church. She wasn't just concerned about his spiritual well-being. She was concerned about his spiritual well-being also. Let me ask you something, Daddy, this morning. Are you the spiritual leader of your home? Now, I didn't ask you if you were the one that makes the decisions. Yeah, we're going to do this and we're not going to do that. Yeah, we're going over here on vacation. No, we're not going over there. Yeah, we're going to buy this car. Yeah, we're not going to do that. I didn't ask you that. I ask you, are you the spiritual leader of your home? When's the last time you took out the book and said, hey, turn off the television and the computers. We're going to sit here and read the Word of God for a few minutes. That's what a spiritual leader of a home does. Are you a spiritual leader? Mom, do you pray for your kids by name? Do, they, do, do your children see you as godly parents that love God? When I was a youth director, one of the hardest things to stomach was the young people that would come in and sit across from my desk and they'd say, you don't know my mama and daddy. You know them at church, but you don't know them. Facebook has helped a whole lot of that. I was reading last night, one of our church members. I, I want to just do it. Mm, used as just a horrible word. And I want to say, look, next time you decide you're going to use a word like that, you tell them you're from Moberly or Macedonia or, or somewhere else. You don't, don't tell them you're from Woodland Hills acting like a nut. If you hadn't got any better sense than to get on Facebook and write slut and, mm, well, she took care of him properly. She took him to the house of God. It's not enough to just protect them personally. We got to protect them properly. Mom and dad take their children to church. These are more statistics. I told you it was going to be dry and boring. 76% of the children following the faith of their parents. The father takes the children to church, 55%. If the mother alone takes the children to church, 15%. If neither take the children to church, 9% become active. 9%. You see, and then the survey that shows the age, 5 to 12 years old, 34% of the children have a great possibility of being saved. When they get 13 to 18, 4%. 19 and over, 6%. You want to know why we want to provide the best children's ministry we can down there? Because that is the age where those kids have a better chance to be saved than any other age in this church right here. That is the age right there. Now, I don't want to neglect nobody. We love senior adults. I love, man, I love going with senior adults. They eat better than the kids do. I can tell you that right now. No senior adult goes to McDonald's or CC's. Good, great. 
That's why we're doing the bucket offering. That's why, listen, you can look this world over and you will not find better preschool and children's workers than you will right down this hall right here. I guarantee you. Now, I'm not knocking others, and I'm not saying they're perfect. I'm just saying I know they've got a heart for God, and they've got a heart for your children. That's why we've got to invest everything we can in our children. You know, a lot of times we, we blame children for what they say or what they do. And, and, you know, some of these kids have never been in church before in their life, and we have problems. They'll, they'll say things that, you know, uh, but, you know, it used to be uh, we were getting known to the world's people like that. But I've heard some uh, Christian boys and girls talk pretty rough myself. We've got to take the time to protect them, the time to personally and, and providentially protect them. The last thing I throw, there's a promotion here. Verse 4 says, In the seventh year, Jehoiada sent, fetched the rulers over hundreds with the captains and the guard, brought them to the house of the Lord, made a covenant with them, took an oath of them in the house of the Lord, and showed them the king's son. In other words, because of one woman, Jeshiva, one woman, you do realize that the Word of God says that the Messiah must come through the line of David. And the entire Christian world rests upon one little boy. Had he died, there would be no Messiah because the line of David would have been stopped. But because of this concerned aunt, who kidnapped this boy and took care of him. The bloodline for the Messiah kept going. One person. All Christian humanity rests upon one little boy being saved. You see the glorious thing they, they, in verse 12. He brought forth the king's son, put the crown upon him, and gave him the testimony they made him king and anointed him, and they clapped their hands, and they said, God save the king. Now, Athaliah had vowed that she'd destroy all the royal seed of the throne, but she didn't make it to Joash. She thought she had. It's kind of like a picture of Satan. Don't you know that on that crucifixion day, he thought he had it? I got it. Man, he's dead. He is dead, and he is in a tomb. We've got him. But it didn't work out that way. He arose. And we celebrate. Listen, do you understand? If the Lord Jesus Christ had not arisen, we wouldn't have anything to be here for today. We could go home. We could have saved an hour and a half, two hours, whatever. Can you imagine what you could do with the ties you had? I mean, you could go to the boats, help all kinds of people because of a godly woman, Jehoshaphat. The life of Joash was spared. 
Now, let me give you this. The Bible says that a covenant established him. Jehoiada gave Joash the testimony. The Hebrew word for testimony speaks of the written law or the word of God. In other words, Joash, though he was exalted by the crown, he was established by the covenant. He was exalted by the crown, but he was established by the word of God. The truth is that God's got a purpose for everyone. Every child that you saw leave a while ago, God's got a purpose for those children. I tell you, uh, if you've got a child or a grandchild, it's, I always get these initials mixed up. ADHD, is that what it is? That will run at you and buck you head on? Always in trouble like Charlie? You pray for them because they're going to be your pastors in the days to come. <laughs> Amen? It takes somebody like that to be a pastor, I guarantee you. These little meek and mild, uh, no, they may be youth directors or music directors, but you, you, those, they, they, they're loving people. It's going to take somebody that's going to be, mm, that's going to be a pastor. You can't make a deal with God. I know that. I was reminded yesterday, I was watching the news, and I saw a little boy uh, had a piece of cardboard over him. Some of you may have seen that. His sisters were injured, but they got out alive. The little boy didn't make it. Had a piece of cardboard over him. And all I saw was his little brown shoes. It looked just like Charlie's little shoes. I said, dear God, I don't know how many times I prayed in the hospital. God, just take me and leave Charlie. God favored us and did both. He hadn't taken me yet or Charlie either one. For some of you, that's joy. For some of you, say, mm, missed another one. But I want to tell you, I want to ask you one more time. Well, let me give this illustration because it, it's a good one. W.P. Mackey, true story. 17 years old, graduated from high school, went off to college, went to medical school. When he graduated from high school, his mama gave him a Bible with his name in the front of it and she wrote her name down at the bottom with her favorite scripture. Well, he didn't care anything about the Bible or anything. and He went on, became a very successful doctor, uh, headed one of the largest hospitals in Edinburgh, Scotland. Uh, but his life kept getting more wicked and more wicked. And there was a time in college where he took his Bible that his mama gave him to the pawn shop and pawned it off for enough money to buy another drink or two. One night in that hospital, true, an accident victim was admitted to the hospital and he knew he didn't have but just a short time to live and he asked the nurse, he said, would you call my landlady and tell her to bring me the book? And the nurse said, what, what, what kind of, what book you want? And she, he said, she'll know, you just tell her to bring me the book, please. She got there not long after that and it was the Bible, he'd been reading the Bible. The doctor came in after he was dead to pronounce him dead and everything, you know, like they do. And he asked the nurse, he said, what kind of book did he, was it a checkbook or an address book or date book? What, what, what did he bring? She said, I don't know. He put it under his pillow. The doctor went over there and picked up that pillow and got that Bible, opened it up in the fly. It was his name. Throughout many years, that Bible had circulated. 
true story. And there was his name with his mama's name and her favorite scripture written underneath it. And he went, put the book, tucked it in his uh, coat pocket, went to his office, got on his knees, fell down and was saved that day. Now, he went on to become a great preacher and he also went on to uh, become a good songwriter. And toward the end of his life, he sat down and wrote these words. Revive us again. Fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. Hallelujah. Thine the glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Thine the glory. Revive us again. I'll just ask you. I know some of you today would say, Preacher, my kid's involved in so many things, and I know that. And I'm not telling you it's going to be easy, and I'm not telling you it needs to be cold turkey. You say, I'm counting the cost of what it means. I'm, I mean, you know, that means that, you know, we do things around here for children. If Susan Avery is preparing the next choir up here, Every Sunday night, I'd have to be there Sunday night, hear Case. I'd have to be there Wednesday night, hear the preacher's Bible study. I'd have to be there Sunday morning. You know, it just costs too much. I'm not asking you to count the cost of what it will cost you to get your children involved and you stay involved. It won't do any good to get your children involved if you're not involved too. I'm not asking you to count that cost. I don't care if you count it or not. What I'm asking you to do is to count the cost if you don't do it. Father, uh, we humbly bow before you today, asking you, Lord, to speak to our hearts. Lord Jesus, we need you. There are moms and dads in this congregation today. They need to be saved. Lord, I pray. The truth of it 